25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey, what up? How y'all are? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said. It was how y'all are. It reminds me of uh, Justin Wilson, the Cajun cook. You know, there's so many things that I would like. To, you know, you just heard the open to the show that we this that particular sound bite, the way it sounds when you. Start listening to the show here at the first of the hour. Jerry Clower, Jack Crystal in it. It's been the same since the show began. And it's very intentional. Those are people that I just, it's, yes, it's nostalgia, but there's just something about those guys. You know, they're just part of kind of your, your past, stuff you look to, stuff you like. That's why it's in there. I made that. So I got Jerry Clower in there. And there's got to be a way to include uh, some others. Justin Wilson, the Cajun cook, being one of them. You know, an example. See, it's just how do you do it? How do you make sure those voices are a part of the show? You miss them. I miss them. How do you make sure they're a part of the show more regularly? I'll tell you another one, and I've talked about this before. Leonard's Losers. Leonard Postostas. Leonard's Losers. Back in the day, we all used to listen to Leonard's Losers on the radio. It's like a voice of nostalgia from the past. Reminds you of days gone by, stuff you like. Well, I got a button right here with his voice on it. Another load of smart pills has been distributed, and I'm slap worn out. So I'll just say, so long, neighbors. Get me out of here, Percy. And he said that at the end of every show. Well, I got a button. All I got to do is touch it. And I can never remember to hit that button at the end of the show. That's what I want to do. I just can never remember it. So I'm going to start devoting some thought into ways to include people like Leonard Postostas from Leonard's Losers and Justin Wilson, the Cajun cook, into this show. We've already got Jerry Clower. We've already got Jack Crystal in here by default every day. We've got to get some of these others. If there are others that I'm not thinking of, is it Andy Griffith? If there are others, y'all send me the suggestions. I need all the help I can get, okay? So text it to me on the Country Pleasing text line, 885-ESPN, 601 number, 885-ESPN. Or call me and tell me on the Divinity phone, 995-1059, 601-995-1059. You can tweet me the suggestion also, at Radio Wyatt. Hit me up on Facebook. Anywhere, just find me, send it. Love to hear from you. All right, here we are in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team. Farm Bureau Insurance across the state of Mississippi. Hometown Heroes, your local insurance agents at Farm Bureau in every county in the state of Mississippi. And we're connected to you 
bec- around the clock, not just while we're on the air, but I've got the phone out, you know, posting and tweeting and uploading and live streaming all hours of the day. Thanks to C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire, customer inspired. Something happened yesterday, Beaver, however, to my trusty handy dandy iPhone 8 Plus. It's only about a year old that I've kept it brand new looking up until yesterday. Yeah, I'm the guy who doesn't put a case on his phone. So look, this is nobody's fault. I'm not complaining. I'm not whining. It was bound to happen. If you you get an iPhone and you don't put a case on it, I like the way it looks and feels and the way it fits in my pocket without a case. So I don't put a case on it. And yesterday we got a new basketball goal and I assembled it uh, on the in the back on the back patio for my daughter. It's one of those adjustable basketball goals. And so yesterday, my wife and I and my daughter were out there playing a game of horse. And at some point, just a spur of the moment thing, I just decided to run up there and dunk it. It's almost like a, you know, seven, eight foot goal right now. So I go up there and dunk it. When I jumped up in the air, the phone jumped out of my pocket, landed on the finished concrete, and it's all now cracked on the back of it. But the screen is fine. No cracks on the screen. And the damage isn't that bad, but it is cracked. So I'm about to try out this get your phone repaired at C Spire. And I know I'll have to check and see what stores are open and if they are and and that kind of thing. And if they're not, I may have to wait. But, you know, I've been telling you forever that you can get your phone fixed at C Spire. They can repair your phone for you if it's a little rough around the edges. Well, mine's rough around the edges, all right. So now it's time for me to go get it fixed. I'm going to try that out real soon. I'll let you know how it goes. I'm about to, uh, we're going to embark Upon um, several topics here in hour number two, uh, one college football related right away with some comments here that I think you're going to like. As I do that, though, to start me off, I'm a little dry here, so I'm pouring the remaining hot coffee out of my thermos into my cup. Coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany. Highpointroasters.com. It is the best. I'm telling you, make your tongue slap your hat off good. So I'm going to finish that up. And it's interesting, Norman, that I was getting ready to do that. And you had already texted me a coffee emoji. (laughs) What does it say here? Um, When did you text that? Was that just now? You said, Matt, what about boiling brim fillets and crab boil? Ever tried that? I guarantee I guarantee you it's good. Put it in there. It's a crab boil, man. Just throw it in. Half the stuff in there, we don't know what it is anyway. So go ahead and throw those fillets in there. I guarantee you it's good. And thanks for the coffee emoji. Uh, Let me also take a peek. There were a few of you that texted me at the end of hour one, and I don't think I got to it. I want to take a look here. First up, Gator Nation. I'm going to do something for you. For the very first time, Gator Nation. That's all you get. You get a little chomp chomp there for you, Gator Nation. (laughs) Thanks for the text on the country pleasing text line, 885-ESPN. Gator Nation says, Matt, I want to apologize to you. I've not been doing a good job representing Team Brady on uh, your show. I'm back now. Go Bucks. 
TB12 GOAT. TB12 GOAT. Well, look, I appreciate it. And I'm glad you're back. And since you're back, I played you a little chomp chomp there for you. And normally, that's reserved for Gator Greg. Today, Gator Nation, you got it. All right. And uh, Bulldog Blitz with the cooler picture that you texted us. Are those Threadfin Shad or are those some other kind of Shad? They look bigger. Anyway, you said they're not frozen. They are freshly netted. And fresh Shad would be the best for monster cats. I believe you. Now, you, so here's the thing, Bulldog Blitz. You got everything ready to go for your fishing trip. Now, send me Gizzard Shad. Now, send me pictures of what you catch with them. Let's move this thing on to the next step. <laughs> Shall we? Good. All right. And then uh, we got an unnamed texter. No, Tip. Okay. So Tip texted us and said, Bob Euchre, best Bob Euchre quote who was a major league catcher. Best way to catch a knuckleball is wait until it stops rolling and pick it up. <laughs> He's got a bunch of great quotes. Bob Euchre is, is an unbelievable character. You know, you'd have to be to have his career to be not a great baseball player, but was a constant guest on the Johnny Carson show. He cracked people up as a guest on Carson, which, you know, I guess led him to broadcasting, which, all of that stuff led him into Hollywood. For Pete's sake, he was, you know, he a major played a major role in what was it, Mr. Belvedere? Wasn't he the dad in the family of Mr. Belvedere? Or do I have the show wrong? He was in one of those. He was a sitcom dad. Just an unbelievable career the guy had, and he's still going, still kicking as the voice of the Brewers. Right? Didn't they like cut his games down a little bit? He's getting older. But in the Brewer Stadium up there in Milwaukee, like on the very top row, they put a statue in of him sitting in a chair on the last row of the stadium. And there's a chair next to it. And I think people go and they can sit next to Bob Euchre and have their picture taken. Of course, it's a statue and all, but he's famous. He's just a, such an interesting guy. One-of-a-kind type of career path. You just don't see anything like that. Okay, um... This is college football related. And if you listen to hour number one, you know why you're hearing this. <laughs> I almost, almost pulled a Chris Brooks beaver, and that is mention it at the top of the show and then never come back to it again. <laughs> I said I was going to play those segs throughout the show today when we changed subjects, and I never did it. So meanwhile, in the college football world, do you remember, was it yesterday or the day before, if y'all were listening, you, you may remember, um, we were yapping along about something and somebody texted me on the uh, country pleasing text and said, hey, the Arkansas athletics director said that they're going to have athletes back on campus in June and they're getting ready for September the 5th start of the football season. Remember we read that and then we kind of just talked about it just a minute. Well, there's a an update to that and more in a story that popped out there today on The Athletic. It's written by Andy Staples. You'll know that name if you've you know, followed college sports over the years because he's a writer. I think, I think Andy maybe used to be with Sports Illustrated or who was he with? Anyway, now he's with The Athletic. 
and uh, do this story. So you'd have to have a subscription. I do. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. I'll just give you some nuggets because I want you to hear uh, the update. So, yes, he did say that. Earlier on, what day was it? Monday? Yeah, it was Monday. Just a couple days ago. Early on Monday, they had this Q&A session, Media in Arkansas, were able to talk with Hunter Juracek, the Arkansas AD. He had a question about the plans for fall sports. And here's what he said. And, and actually, I got this wrong. I said it was a Q&A. I think media was present, present, but there was a board of trustees meeting. And so he said this to the board of trustees. As athletic director, we continued to discuss that June the 1st, that June 1 date as being the first opportunity that we could reopen in our facilities for voluntary workouts. If we get to the schedule where at the latest, July 15th, we have our fall sports students on campus, I think we have a really good chance of starting football season on time. That's the exact quote that came out of that meeting from Hunter Juracek, the Arkansas AD. Well, later in the day on Monday, he felt the need to clarify himself in an updated version of that statement. And I missed this somehow. Okay, so this went out either late Monday, early Tuesday. It had to be Monday because he starts his statement on Twitter with a graphic, and it says this. Earlier today, I answered a question during our Board of Trustees meeting related to my thoughts on the start of the 2020 football season. To clarify my comments... There is one plan that would have our student-athletes return to campus for official team activities around July 15th to hit the target of an on-time September 5th start to the football season. As I outlined in my original comments, this is just a plan, not an official decision. Decisions will be made based on the continued health and safety of our student-athletes. Okay. There's one plan out there that could get it on time. An SEC athletics director is has verbalized that to a board of trustees. It makes it out into the media. And he has to clarify, no, 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 that's just one option. If, if, if. But essentially in his follow-up, what he's saying is, Decisions will be made based on the continued health and safety of student-athletes. In other words, we don't really know. We don't really know for sure. We just don't know. Well, the title of Andy Staples' article on The Athletic today is, uh, quote, Why I Don't Know is an Appropriate Answer About College Football Season. There's a good bit in here from Sankey. He, he did an interview with him about it. Uh, there's some stuff from uh, Swafford out in the ACC, Big 12, Pac-12. They're all saying, well, we don't really know. We don't know. You know, there's this plan, there's that plan, but we don't know. It's just, you know, uh, they can't really give you anything to this point that is definitive because there is nothing definitive. 
Now, you may be listening going, well, Matt, why are you telling me this on Wednesday when Monday and Tuesday you've been telling me that all the signs and quotes point towards definitely having football in the fall, potentially, yeah, major changes, but they play in. You've been saying that for a week, and now you're telling me that in this article on The Athletic, they don't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. They're not really sure. They don't know. Well, because there's not really a dividing line between those two schools of thought. They don't know for sure if they will play on September the 5th or on October the 1st. They don't know if athletes will be on campus in June or if they'll be there in July. They don't know if every football-playing school in every Power 5 conference will be open this fall. They don't know. So, right, they don't know. But I think what I've been telling you is you just follow the clues. Of course, it kind of goes without saying, but they really are illustrating it. And again, in some cases, verbalizing. They are going to play some football this fall. Barring some type of major, major setback in this life of this virus. You know, again, please don't take this as, oh, here we go. Matt's going down the uh, sports guy on the radio thinking he knows enough to talk about the coronavirus deal. No, I'm not doing that. But I'm just using this as an example. Who are the least, what's the least affected demographic out there? Healthy teenagers, healthy college-age kids. That's a fact. Okay, so the numbers will tell you that. The least affected by the virus are healthy college-age kids. Well, that's, you know, again, you got some 65- and 85-year-old professors running around on campus with health issues. I get it. I'm just saying there's coming a day. We don't know if it's August or September or if it's October, but it'll be one of those. I'm willing to go out on that limb. These campuses, the majority of them are going to open up. And as soon as they open up to students, then it's going to be open with preparations ahead of time to football. So another quote, let me, let me give you just a, a nugget from this story. Your check said, this is the Arkansas AD, that SEC ADs are talking about discussing June the 1st as the first chance to have athletes back on campus. Y'all, it's May the 6th. That ain't a long time from now. Was that three weeks? That's true. They are discussing it. Here's what it says in the article. Because the league has suspended all on-campus activities through May the 31st. June the 1st would be the first day possible. Okay, so if you're an AD and right now you're sitting on a May the 31st, You've got to have a plan for June 1st. You've got to have a plan because you don't know they're going to suspend it again. But that suspension could be extended. It points that out. All right, here's Sankey's quote. We'll have to make a decision about what happens June the 1st. And we'll have to do that in mid-May. That's the likelihood So we have a few more weeks. 
So all of this to point this out to you. They're on record. They have all been getting together to have a plan June 1. How much confidence should you as a fan have that the SEC won't extend that deadline past May the 31st and will bring athletes back on campus June the 1st? How much confidence should you have? I don't have much confidence in that. You know why? Because last week in a media opportunity, another SEC AD, Keith Carter, said they, Ole Miss, are looking at July as the best opportunity, the next best opportunity to get the athletes back on campus. And it, it wasn't definitive, but he said, you know, there's a plan out there that we're considering with July. Okay, that's more likely. What you need to know as a state fan, Ole Miss fan, Alabama fan, Auburn fan, whatever, your commissioner, Greg Sankey, has a quote in this article, they will make a decision mid-May as to whether or not they are going to extend that. It's May the 6th. we got about one more week to wait. About one more week, maybe 10 more days. And then we're at some point in the next you know, week to 10 days, we're going to get a headline. It's going to be significant either way. And it will say, Greg Sankey says the SEC will not extend the deadline past May 31st for suspension of sports. Or it will say that he will. It'll be significant either way. Keep your eyes peeled for that. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stay with me. Back on the show in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Hometown heroes, your local Farm Bureau insurance agents in every county, all 82 of them. Norman on the country, please, and text line at 885-ESPN. That is a 601 number. Listen up. Write it down. Commit it to memory. Stick it in the glove box. 885-ESPN. That's 885-3776. Text me. Norman says, obviously, you know my real name is Norman. Because who would make a nickname like Norman? (laughs) But from now on, he's texting in as Coffee Norman. All right. Sounds good, man. Coffee Norman. That's like the the character played by Andre 3000 in the movie uh, um, <laughs> Semi-Pro, where they were minor league basketball players in Flint, Michigan, the Flint Tropics. Main character played by Will Ferrell. Leading co-star played by Woody Harrelson. My doppelganger. Yeah, Semi-Pro. You know that movie. Yeah, and Andre 3000 from uh, the... Uh, the group, what, Outcast? He was on the team also, played a character in the movie. And his character's name was Coffee Black. You're Coffee Norman. That sounds good. I like it. 
All right, so Jason in Flagstaff, Arizona, listening today online, texting regarding the uh, opening of campuses this fall and playing a football. It's going to happen. And, you know, and I threw the question out there. I said, you know, what is the group, the demographic that is being the least affected by the virus? And what he said is, or, or, or what I said is, well, it's obviously, you know, teenage high school, college age kids that are healthy. They're, that'd be the demographic that's the least affected. The thing is on a college campus, you have everybody. I mean, you got older people uh, that are healthy. You got old people who are, have health issues. You got young people with health issues. I mean, there's no one demographic on a college campus, which we obviously know that. Uh, but Jason said in his text, plenty of young, healthy people going into hospitalization and in ICU though. The death rates aren't uh, the death rates aren't the only statistic that matters in that discussion. And then he says, "Are we ready to hear reports of 18 to 22 year old football players fighting for their lives or not?" Jason also said, "I think we'll play too, but depending on the results of the state's reopening, which will be available by the end of May." And Jason, that's really if you think about, it, I mean, that's what I've been saying too. I mean, barring barring some type of major setback. In the onset and the spread and the death rates and the, you know, the calamity in the wake of this virus, barring something unforeseen, the set, you know, a major setback, they're going to open the campuses and play college football this fall. Going to happen. Will all 70,000 fans be there? I don't know. They're going to play and they're going to have students on campus. You went on to say, um, if it's anywhere near the new CDC projections, nobody will be going anywhere until the vaccine comes online. September at the earliest per a report yesterday. Okay. And you're going to send me that. So the report was from the Chicago Tribune. And by the way, <clears throat> there's a lot of good writers at the Chicago Tribune and they do a good job, but holy cow, if you've ever tried to go to their website, it's worse than the old sporting news website for pop-up ads and Video, I mean, you can't do anything on that website for the constant just punching you in the face ads covering up what you're actually there to see. <laughs> um, but Chicago Tribune had a story and a link in their tweet said Pfizer and German pharmaceutical company BioNTech say their potential coronavirus vaccine began human trials in the U.S. on Monday. If the tests are successful, the vaccine could be ready for emergency use in September. Okay, and then the link that they gave was actually from the New York Times. Appreciate the info, Jason, very much. Thank you. Um, unnamed texter says, I can tell you for a fact that in-state universities plan, barring a huge setback, to have on-campus classes in the fall. That translates to August. So the only question is if the athletes will report in June or July. Regardless, there, there will be football in the fall. I agree with that. Here's a recent quote within the last 24 hours or so. Two of them from Jack Swarbrick, Notre Dame AD. We are very comfortable that if that if, if it goes that way, um, that we'll be fine. We will be able to play a, a high quality, full schedule 
um, the same number of games as other teams will play. Having said that, I think we all recognize that there, there is a significant chance that that may not be possible, that either because states or individual colleges and universities take different approaches, you, you can't produce a season where all members um, are participating in Division One football in the same way. Not all schools may play, and they know it. Next, you will not bring football players back and play football unless the entire student body is welcome back on campus. It is a fact. From Mark Emmert to every AD will look you in the eye and tell you, and some have. I've been telling you that. But think about it also the reverse. Think about it also the reverse. There is no situation where they will bring students, all the students back on campus, but not be open to athletic activities either. They go hand in hand. They're going to do them both. The real standard point for us, starting point for us in a lot of our analysis is that when we look at the at, at keeping our students safe uh, and what their experience will be, we're focused on all our students. So if our football team can play, um, our other students should be able to be in the stadium and watch them play. And so first and foremost, we're focused on their safety, uh, what that looks like, how they come into the stadium, what the seating arrangements are for the other students on campus. And I think it was a legit story that I saw yesterday where the Miami Dolphins um, have basically formed a plan and even put it out there for how they would go about bringing some fans into the stadium, but having them socially distant from each other while watching the football game on this on the field. And I did I did see that link. In fact, I think Jake may have shared that on um, on his Facebook page yesterday. I'm sure I could go back and find it. If some of y'all follow or are friends with Jake Wimberly on Facebook, you might see that. I didn't click it and watch it, but um, or, or click it and read it, I should say, but I'm pretty sure that's out there. And regarding this whole coronavirus thing, do you see this? Beaver, uh, do you have, have you accessed Uber very much? Have you used Uber a whole lot in your life? Um, handful of times. Yeah. Only when I'm out of state. Yeah, I'm basically the same way. I mean, I can just a handful. Um, whenever we go on these these road game trips in the fall with with state football, Neil and I and maybe a few others will always take a Uber to go eat somewhere, you know, something like that. So every now and then I've used it. Um, <clears throat> here's a story for you. How does this land? Uber will soon mandate that its drivers and customers wear masks to help reduce the spread of the novel coronavirus. CNN Business reported that the rideshare service is planning to implement the requirement in the U.S. while charting a return to everyday business during the pandemic. Start date not given, though in certain regions it's already a requirement for drivers to wear face coverings while working. So, we have one group of people, just like right at the beginning of the show today, Real C. Collins sent me this thing on Twitter. It's a graphic. It shows a person using their fishing rod wrong. They got it upside down. And it says, these are the people 
that wear masks alone in their car. So we got one group on this side that says, y'all are all stupid. Look, I do in the mornings on Facebook Live, Periscope Live, a lot of times I take my phone out. I'm on the back porch listening to the birds, drinking coffee, doing my devotion. And a lot of mornings I turn my phone on and I'll share my devotion with people that want it there on Facebook or whatever. Well, the other day I had my Mississippi State Corona mask in my pocket. And I thought, well, I'm going to use this as a prop because, you know, the, the devotion that particular day was about, you know, uh, counting others greater than yourself, you know, unselfishness, uh, putting others first. And so there was this idea that, well, the reason they say the reason you wear a mask is it helps you to not spread it to somebody else. It's not going to keep you from catching it. It just might keep you from spreading it to somebody else unknowingly. Well, I use it as a prop in my video. So when I turn the video on, I had the mask on. Well, a buddy of mine who lives in Alabama sent me a message, and it said, Matt, you know I love you, but if you're wearing your mask all by yourself in your backyard, you're an idiot. <laughs> so we got that on one side, and on the other side, we got Uber, who all of its drivers are going to be riding around with a mask on and expecting anyone who gets in their car for an Uber ride to also have a mask on. Which I don't argue with any of that. That's fine. You're only going to be in there for a short time anyway. You don't know each other. You don't know where they've been. Sure, put a mask on. But some people are like, no, no. Friends are pro my freedom. I ain't wearing no stupid mask. Tell you what, boy. It takes all kinds. We'll finish up next in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. the show. Uh, I just saw this on Twitter. Ole Miss football put this out there. I didn't realize this was the anniversary. Uh, May the 6th, 1991. On this day, 1991, 29 years ago today, Chucky Mullins left this world far too soon. The tweet says, we will never forget Chucky and his contagious positivity. Number 38, hashtag never quit. They got a picture of Chucky smiling right there. Um, you know, I've told this story in other places before. I don't know that I've ever told the, it's it's not a story. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever given the details on this show, though. Um, I've talked about it before. But Chucky Mullins was from Russellville, Alabama. That's where I grew up, Russellville, Alabama. And I, I say grew up. We lived there until kind of, you know, I guess latter part, spring semester of my um, eighth grade year, I guess. Is that right? Yeah. Eighth grade year. And uh, growing up in Russellville, it, it's then it was absolutely 100% a football community. I mean, there was support for basketball a little. There was really no support for baseball uh, back then. I mean, it was football, football. It was a football community. 
It was a small town in northwest Alabama, not far from the Muscle Shoals area, about 15 miles or so south of the Muscle Shoals area, where on Friday nights, the whole town went. The whole town. Man, I mean, like every single solitary kid that I went to school with during the day, fourth grade, fifth grade, I'd see them at the game on Friday night, every one of them, all of us. Nobody missed them. (laughs) And uh, they were good. And some of those teams in the late 80s, when Chucky and his classmates were juniors and seniors, they were very good. They, They hosted one state championship game. They didn't used to play it in Birmingham. It was Russellville versus Greenville for the uh, 4A state championship. Greenville, Alabama was coached by Willis Wright, who came to Mississippi and made a name for himself, obviously here, who everybody knows who Willis Wright is, coached at South Panola. Back then, late 80s, he was coaching at Greenville, Alabama. Greenville beat Russellville that night in Russellville for the state championship. I was at that game, freezing cold. But I saw Chucky do a lot of cool things in his high school career. And and he was just one of those players. He he was good at everything, good at every sport. He was their best basketball player. He was their best football player on offense and on defense. And um, it, one night, the big Russellville rival back then was Colbert County, which is in Leeton, Alabama. And if you go, if you've ever been to a high school game in the old stadium there at Colbert County High School, they had a lot of great players come out of there. The stands on the visiting side are right on the field. There's almost no room for the visiting team uh, on their sideline because it's like, here's the sideline and right behind you are the fans. And I was sitting in the front row next to my dad, a road game at Colbert County. When I saw Chucky hit a guy, it knocked his helmet off the opposing team and up into the stands, into the where we were. You know, several rows over, somebody had the helmet had to hand it back to the sideline. They hand it back to the opposing player. He was a big hitter. And after he went to Ole Miss and then was injured, I was sitting in those same seats just about on the front row of a road game at Colbert County, Russellville at Colbert County, big rivalry game, when a, uh, a van pulled up during the game down at the end of the stadium and a bunch of people got out and it was Chucky. He was in his you know, uh, mobile bed, you know, obviously he was bedridden. Uh, they had him in a bed They they wheeled him out. Then they, they picked him up off the bed and placed him in a wheelchair and, uh, and brought him to the edge of the fence where he could watch Russellville play Colbert County. That was after his injury at Ole Miss. And I do remember Russellville won that game. And I do remember too, there was this palpable feeling and people talking about it, including the visiting Russellville players on the sidelines that, with Chucky there, there was no way they could lose that game. They could not allow themselves to lose that game. They won it. They won that game. Uh, growing up, you know, I guess just about every home game that Chucky played at the last three years of his high school career, I was there for it, sitting next to my dad watching the games. And um, everybody in my class – you know, we were fourth and fifth graders, sixth graders. We all wanted to wear number two for the Russellville Golden Tigers because that's what Chucky wore. He was just kind of the, the coolest one, the best one. 
Yeah, he wore number two. We all wanted to kind of be like that. Those are sweet, precious memories for me, uh, being a kid in that community, a football community, watching those teams with Chucky Mullins as the star playing. And I remember what it was like as I got on up in junior high when um, the injury happened. I was going to school. I was in class at Russellville uh, Middle School. And I remember during the football season that Saturday when the injury for Chucky happened against Vanderbilt. And it looked awful. That was on a Saturday. You know, it obviously, I mean, it looked awful. News started trickling out, I think, on that Sunday. But I remember uh, being at school one day when a big commotion uh, broke loose in the hallway one day and it was between classes and people were wondering what was going on. And this rumor had begun to spread that Chucky Mullins had passed away. Well, that was not true at that time. This would have been about somewhere around 1990, I guess, but it was just a rumor. But some kids at school had gotten wind of that and it spread like wildfire and I remember there were people crying and there were kids crying. And then it turned out to not be true that he had not passed away. And he didn't pass away until about a year later in 1991. Uh, it, it was an interesting uh, thing to, to, a sad thing certainly to live through for everybody. But from my perspective too, you know, idolizing him and some of those players growing up and seeing it happen on television on that Saturday and seeing the reaction of teachers and uh, kids in the community who knew him when they, you know, found out the prognosis and the fact that he was paralyzed and all to live through that is a really sad thing, but it's good that Ole Miss has honored him the way they have over the years. And uh, more so than that, it was really good the way that, you know, Chucky, had the sort of attitude throughout all of that that has lasted. He had a, a heck of a positive impact on players on his college team, but people in his home community of Russellville and everything, the way that he, he smiled and he'd always be positive and just keep on going and, and trying and do what he could. He was a heck of a positive influence on a lot of people um, before it was all said and done. And they did make a documentary about that. Um, and, and you've seen that over the years. You've read the details of what he came from to be there and all. So there's a lot of sadness in that story, but I think there's a lot of positivity too, mainly because of the way that he handled it. And so we could all just kind of hope that if that were to happen to us, we'd handle it the same way. And that is, uh, you know, maintain a positive attitude right up until the end. All right, Divinity Equipment phone line. We'll finish it out with a phone call today. Anti-Shark Rebel Paul, the man with four names, on the phone. What's up, Paul? I was just going to tell you, I really enjoyed hearing your story about Chucky. And one thing that, you know, has amazed me through all of these years is that, uh, you know, that injury happened when he was tackling Brad Gaines. Yeah. The tight end. And... Uh, for every year since that, without exception, he's gone to Chucky's grave site three times a year. Yeah. On the date of the accident, on his birthday, 
on on Christmas Day, and uh, you know that's you know yeah, that's really incredible. And when and when and and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the the day that they were having the memorial service at Tad Smith Coliseum for Chucky, and all the players were taken on a on a team bus. And Billy Brewer saw uh, Brad Gaines uh, kind of over toward the sidewalk, and Brewer got off the bus, and he told his players, uh, "That's Brad, and we're going to let him on the bus with us and go to the funeral service with us, hmm. and he's going to be a part of our team." Today. How about that? And That's really cool. You know that? I don't think I knew that. Was that in that documentary yep. they made about it a few years ago? Yep, it was. Uh-huh. It was. Yeah, it and, makes me and, want to go back and watch it again. Yep. Good stuff, Paul. I appreciate the phone call. Good one to finish on. All right. Good show today. I had a good time. Hope you did, too. We're going to do it again tomorrow, Thursday. We'll have the NFL schedule out tomorrow, the dates for home and away for the Saints and everybody else. Look forward to that. See you all then. Tomorrow.